Welcome to the Inside Events Podcast, brought to you by SwapCard. There's no better time to have exclusive conversations with the industry professionals who are reshaping the events industry. We're bringing you inside knowledge from industry leaders. Let's get started with your host, Megan Powers. Hello, hello. This is episode three of Inside Events. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, and we uh, provide strategic communication and marketing services for primarily the meetings and events industry. I'm here with you with our guest news chat friend, Christy LaMagna. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, Megan. I'm super. I'm so happy to be working with you because I adore your stuff and to be able to participate is awesome. So hi. Oh, well, thanks. Hi. So yeah, so this uh, is take two of, of the first half of episode three. Um, <laughs> The thing about live events is that sometimes things go go wrong. And while the content is amazing, the audio had some issues being at a live event with the ambient noise and um, several other things with audio equipment. So we're going to revisit the news that we discussed that was super hot news at the time, still very relevant today. Big news so, still. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll roll well into the second half that that we're using with our guest, who is Annette Gregg from MPI. Mm-hmm. So um, really, and really, while I was at IMAX, it was super fun to meet a new team member of Swap Cards, um, Matthew Ryan, and um, it was really fun to share this podcast with the industry. Um, I know there's a handful of podcasts now and more and more coming on the scene, I think, which shows the relevance of this medium. And mm-hmm. um, and it was just cool to be able to tell most, a lot of people hadn't heard about SwapCard. Uh, and so being able to tell them about the matchmaking that they have um, using AI um, was really cool. And it was the ninth annual IMEX America. So, uh, and I've been to everyone. It's I was going to say, this is your ninth one too, right? Yeah, wonderful, very worthwhile show to attend if you have not been. Um, I know they're going to hit it out of the park for their 10th anniversary next year. So mm-hmm. Um, I would plan on that next September in Las Vegas. Okay, so announced at was was some good news um, at the show, but I'm going to read Christy's bio here real quick. Oh, Christy Magna, CMP, CMM, CTSM, all the things she is certified in. <laughs> she is a CEO and master strategist at Strategic Meetings and Events, and a master life strategist at Life Lived Strategically. Christy is a professional speaker, writer, coach, and proud owner of Strategic Meetings and Events. Her team produces goal-driven event investments that support sales cycles and bring marketing messages to life. She has devoted three decades of her life to creating, refining, and executing strategic plans. And after millions of miles flown, event dollars implemented, and audiences engaged, she realized that what she does for events applies to life. So as a life strategist, best title ever, she shares <laughs> the principles in her best-selling book, The Strategic Planning Guide for Event Professionals, go out and get that now, um, and adapted it to help people and organizations achieve success beyond their expectations. I mean, I love reading that, even the second time, because it's, it's just so, like, um, I think what you're doing is, is amazing, and um, I'm so happy that you can uh, be on the show. Me too. Me too. And I know that the audio glitches are not a good thing, but I kind of looked at it as the gift in it was that we get to work together a second time. Oh, so that's sweet. I'm happy. Yes. It was like a, like an onsite dress rehearsal and now we're back at home. Okay, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, awesome. Okay. So the first big piece of news was that uh, announced on that 
Tuesday, I think, of IMAX is that Skift has acquired Event Manager Blog. Now, um, for me, Skift is uh, is new newish to me. Like in the last year or so, um, I really started to see their articles and meetings and events, and actually kind of thought, where have they been? And so it turns out they're they're the travel news experts. Right. Primarily is what they've been known for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a relatively new foray for them, but mm-hmm. you are familiar with them. Tell us about your, what you do with Skift. Well, what's interesting is Carolyn Kremens is actually an alumni from SUNY Orianto, which is where I graduated from. So I love that she and I have that personal connection. And I've been fortunate enough to have had reporters from Skift reach out and get my take on different things that are happening in the industry and contribute to Skift. And I'm always really impressed by the questions that they ask and the articles that they're doing, because it doesn't feel like the same things that we see in all the other traditional industry publications and the firepower and the cachet that Skift has. And to your point, you know, for the meetings industry, it's a bit of a new publication, but in the travel industry, I mean, they are known and they are, they're very well respected and they have a lot of power behind them. So for them to lend that amount of attention and put their focus and their spotlight on events, I think speaks volumes for the event industry and is truly going to help us get more news. And they are not beholden necessarily to the same people that the event industry publications are, which means there may be a little more light shed on some things. That's Um, a fair point. I hadn't thought about that. mm -hmm. Well, and obviously they have seen great value in uh, what event manager blog has been doing for the last 12 years, Julius. Isn't that great? Yeah. He started it in, you know, at, at home in 2007 in Italy and, um, made when his blogging way. was still, people were trying to figure out what a blog right. was. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I would say mm-hmm. like by and large, he, he, he's been the primary one. He's been the go-to, yeah. um, and, um, to, have, create a partnership like this. I'm, I'm super excited for Julius mm-hmm. Solaris, who's, who's the editor-in-chief. He was mm-hmm. on episode one. He was our first guest of this um, podcast. So How be sure to check that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. So um, so what do you think? So Event Manager Blog has uh, over 300,000 readers a month. Um, and I don't know what Skiff's numbers are. Do you have any idea? Any insight I don't know. That? I yeah. don't know what Skiff's numbers are. Um, and I certainly don't know what percentage of planners are crossing over and becoming part of their audience yet, but I'm excited to see what, you know, to see that, that transition. But no, I have to be honest, I don't know what Skip's numbers are. Yeah. So um, what I am, I'm seeing, I'm still, I'm getting in, I'm getting email from event manager blogs still. So Mm -hmm. it does appear they're keeping it as its own entity. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sure they're going to start including on their site, you know, including the articles and all that Mm -hmm. um, kind of good stuff. So what, what kind of impact do you think? What's that? I think it's a, just a rich parent. You still get to be you, yeah, yeah. but now you have access to my bank account and I'll take care of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds like a great deal. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. Skiff just had an, like one of their, they had a live event yes. um, and Tahira Endine attended. Did you see her article in Meetings Net that, that did. came out? I did. So yeah, it's, it's exciting because it is a different, it's a different audience. So um, it'll be neat to see how, if there ends up being crossover and how these, how this partnership works. And I'm super, mm-hmm. as I walked away from our recording at IMAX, I saw Julius and I mm-hmm. said, did, are were your ears burning? You know, I congratulated him, <laughs> um, told him that we, 
we were talking um, about him and um, how excited I was for him. So um, it's pretty neat. I think it's just going to add even more value and credibility to mm -hmm. what it is that, that we do, right? And I think too, you, you had started to ask, you know, what do I think is going to come from this? Yeah. I think that as planners, and this is part of our challenge, because we are so focused on putting out fires and working on our sector of the universe that we are so incredibly important to its success in terms of, you know, if you're running the sales meeting, you are the difference between success and failure of this meeting going well. And the definition of well varies. Um, right. But I think that SCIFT now bringing in articles about the tourism industry as a whole and the travel industry as a whole and so that we can see ourselves as a part of a much bigger ecosystem instead of just we are planners and we only focus on planner issues which if you look at industry publications it's planner issues but right. we have to look at how do we fit into the overall global tourism hospitality and travel industry and i think skipped is going to allow us those of us who are paying attention to widen our view of the world without having to look for it that hard right because you don't necessarily want to stop what you're doing and go find a new publication but if skipped now adds to what we're already reading i think it will it will allow us to see where we fit in and empower us a little bit more and be a lot more informed about what we do in, on a global scale instead of just for our individual projects or organizations that's a great point great point yeah for sure um, I had at one point in my career, I had, uh, at the time it was the National Business Travel Association, it is now the Global Business Travel Association. They made mm -hmm. the name change, I think, at the, um, at the second conference that I did with them. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, that's an interesting point because that kind of makes me think like they, I see, you know, potential synergy there. <laughs> If you're playing buzzword bingo at home, <laughs> you just got the center square. <laughs> um, sometimes they're just not a better word, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I love that. Interesting, really. So um, congratulations again to Julius and his team. Uh, Well-deserved and I'm excited to see what comes next. Yes, and All I right. just want to mention real quick, people yeah. see the Julian's success and wow, this is fabulous. What what people don't see is from when he started on his Let's Imagine kitchen table right. in Italy and what it took to get those 300,000 followers. So we all showed up at the end to say, wow, how lucky he is. And anyone who's saying that needs to take a moment and say, you can have that story too, yeah. but you need to do the 12 years of hard work or whatever it takes where you're not getting the recognition and you have 300,000 followers and you're still grinding and then it all materializes that. Right. Julian's story doesn't have to be any different from yours, but you need to acknowledge that he's not lucky. He worked really hard to get here. This was not luck. This right. was strategic and just nose to the grindstone and a passion that he turned into. Nobody knew he was there. And in 2007, who knew what a blog was to now being what he is. So if you think he's lucky, just take a pause and decide yeah. the harder you work, the luckier you will get. I, I, well, I like to turn the word luck into fortune. Because people mm. say that to me, you travel so much, you're so lucky. Yeah, mm. I am fortunate, um, <laughs> yes. no question. But it's not about luck. I, I'm, you know, you make you make your own reality, and um, to see that he manifested this in that way is is super, super cool. And that's another buzzword, bingo. Manifested. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna get the whole box filled in. <laughs> All right. 
Okay, so something new uh, that it's not new, but new to be talking about within the meetings and events space is neuroscience. Uh, I personally never thought I'd be talking about neuroscience, nor did I think that I would take a I take a class at IMAX that covered it, and then right after that read an article that MeetingsNet put out, and the um, their article title is neuroscience-based tips to improve your attendees' learning. Um, basically, mm -hmm. the idea being good fuel, variety, repetition, exercise, and follow-up are all things that are going to help our um, attendees retain. Um, so it says, you, the more you know about what's actually going between your attendees' ears, the better chance you have of educating them in a way that makes the learning stick. Mm -hmm. And this was the message of an immunologist and science educator uh, Dr. Frederick Bertley at the ASAE annual conference that was in August. Um, it goes on to say, effective adult learning requires exercises that promote neuroplasticity, the building of new synapses or pathways between the remaining neurons. What's more, those exercises should be varied, much like an athlete builds muscle and coordination through cross-training rather than through repetition of a few single exercises. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and then Janet Spurstad taught a class uh, it was a two and a half hour workshop called uh, the DNA of learning. And she talked a lot about neuroplasticity and, um, and how it all works and giving us tips on how to understand, you know, in terms of leadership within our space. Um, but applied really to life, uh, you know, how mm -hmm. to, how to understand how to, how to work with other people and why things may be happening the way they are. So mm -hmm. I know, you know, Janet and how smart she is. And of course, she did a wonderful job for us, and I just thought it was super neat that mm -hmm. this article came out. So having said all that, um, are you working these types of things into your strategies um, within the, the experiences that you're creating? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's so interesting, so you know, my buzzword and everything that I do has strategy, and it's, you know, everything has to be strategic. But one of the things that my book talks about, and that's just true, which is why my next book, Life, the Ultimate Event, because life is an event and everything comes back to strategy, which is starting with a goal and how do you plan to reach that goal, is that if we think about marketing, if you were to, whomever you are who's watching, you were to go to your boss or you were to decide you're going to take all your advertising dollars and pick one day and you're going to do all your advertising in one day, would that be a good idea? And the answer is obviously no. Because what happens to the other 364 days a year, we know that people need to see something, and it turns out it's the rule of seven, at least seven times before they're prompted to take action. So if we know that, and our marketing departments are in advertising just for one day and are built around constantly touching in their audiences, think about our events where we may bring in a Janet or whomever and we say, okay, she's going to teach this class for two and a half hours, or Tony Robbins is going to come in and we're going to pay him, you know, six figures. And then we don't hear from them again, because we go to the meeting and we say, okay, this is what we're teaching people and everybody should change. So these are the same humans that have to be advertised to seven times before they take action to do something. Yet at our meetings, we say, well, I, I, Janet gave a two and a half hour class. Why hasn't anybody changed? And so we just assume somehow human behavior changes when we put someone in a ballroom. So strategy is about two things. It's about, under, well, a couple things, but one is how does your audience learn? We're looking at four, sometimes five generations of learners in a room. Every generation has a learning style and every person 
visual learner, spatial learner, interactive. So you've got all of these dynamics and then you put them in a, a ballroom. You're not, there's no way you can possibly in a ballroom teach to every single generation and every single learning style and you're not reinforcing it. So right. creating content based on what your audience needs. Don't say what you want to say. P tell people what, give people what they want to hear, not what you want to say. And there's a big difference there. And then follow up with that content. When you hire a speaker, say, Megan, I'm going to hire you to teach me about how to do effective podcasts. So you're going to come speak to my group. But now I need 12 bite-sized pieces of content from you so that every month for a year, you're going to do a tip, you're going to do an article, you're going to do a quote, whatever it is. And we need to keep marketing to our audiences. An event shouldn't be a single moment in time. When you talk about neuroplasticity, well, then we need to continue to change the way we present to people. So it could be a white paper, it could be a blog, it could be a webinar, it could be a graphic, it could be a... So change how you're touching people with that message, but continue it because that's how people need to learn. And don't put people in a ballroom, put them in smaller rooms, let them work for X amount of minutes before they get a break. And everything about meetings and strategy is about how humans learn. We're trying to influence behavior. Right. And as planners, we tend to focus on just the logistics, whereas people come to network and for content, and they're not going to come to network if the content isn't good. So right. it's so powerful and it's ironic that this is somehow coming out as it's new. It's finally something we're paying attention to, right. but strategy is all about creating the right content and actually allowing your audience to absorb it and to change their behavior. And it's, you can't just do it at the event one time doesn't change anything because we all left IMEX with these great ideas and right. like here's here is my list of the business cards I still have to get in touch with from people from IMEX because life intervenes right so, when you get back I, into the office and you and there's all this other work that you weren't doing yes, right? so yes. getting caught up digging I've been using the term digging out I've been trying to dig out for the right. last two weeks yeah right no, and no so like these folks if I don't get in touch with them they may not get in touch with me I already know that I will reach out to every single person seven times because most of these folks are not going to say, Oh my gosh, Christy, great to hear from you. Let's, you know, let's be best friends. So it's the rule of seven in everything you do before you're going to really gain traction. Yeah. But, and it's nice to know that you can do these things that, and it will help extend the learning. I mean, I've already, mm -hmm. I've been talking about this Janet session. I can't stop talking about it. Like I, I have, um, in, in my MVP communication for San Diego MPI and we're planning our education conference and we're still kind of working out who the keynotes are going to be and, and, uh, and, you know, asking people one at a time so that we don't ask multiple and then end up without enough slots kind of a thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, and I told them about the Janet thing and everyone was looking at me like, wow, that's so cool. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. being able to use, I personally think what's lacked in our space has been true research. Mm -hmm. genuine research that's not sponsored by X credit card company or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. because I think everyone takes some of that. I mean, I, we, we find it valuable, but we take it a little bit with a grain of salt. I think when it's sponsored, when it's, you know, academic, really true research mm -hmm. uh, that, that shows how we can increase value for our attendees, which mm -hmm. then will in turn, hopefully increase the value for their organizations and the, and the things that they're doing. I mean, it's huge. It's huge because we're constantly trying to prove our value, right? Well, and the and because it's the first thing to get cut. Oh, face-to-face events, you know, marketing, those are the first things um, that tend mm -hmm. to get cut when budgets are looked at. Mm -hmm. And one of the key things that you just said is, um, hopefully that will change. Unsponsored 
straight up research, there is no hope. This is a fact. And this yeah. is, I can prove this to you. There is no more hoping right. because it's, this is irrefutable. This is actual research. So that makes all the difference in the world. And the, when people cut face-to-face -face events, what they miss, again, a logistical event can be cut. A strategic event is the most powerful sales and marketing tool a company has because I, as an event strategist, have the ability to bring your marketing messages to life, to shorten your sales cycles, and I will influence what your attendees feel, think, say, and do. I'm sorry, you want to you want to cut what I do? Because right. I'm the key to marketing and sales. And I'm sorry, you're going to cut my events? So once you can say, here's the irrefutable evidence, and here's what strategic events do, people should be, people will pour money into events, not take it out. And that's the last thing to get cut because why would you throw away your superpower? And event, strategic events are any organization's sales and marketing superpower. And we don't realize it. We've got these fabulous, you know, magic rings that we're wearing and we just don't know how to activate them and strategy right. will activate it. Right. For sure. Speaking of magic and mm -hmm. <clears throat> tools, uh, jewelry, um, <laughs> this company, <laughs> we Immersion, <laughs> well, <laughs> transition to, I just wanted to share too that uh, at the end of that meetings net article, um, somebody commented, there's a company called Immersion Neuro, um, and the description is objective, accurate, and actionable information for the experience economy captures what audiences care about in real time using a wearable neurosensor and software platform. So to take it a step further, um, and it looks like a Fitbit, um, so you can actually learn what your attendees are benefiting from the most, like, I, like in, the, in the moment. Yeah, and I think there's real power key. in that. That's key because if you, what happens is we brainstorm, you know, we're, we're smart people and you put smart people in a room and they brainstorm, they come up with these fabulous ideas about we'll do this and then we'll do this. And, and what you're doing is you're trying to predict what your audience will enjoy and then you get to the event and all you see is the top of people's heads because they're looking at, at their phones and your reaction is, I did all this work and you're ungrateful. My reaction is, I flew all the way here and this is garbage. The speakers are saying, I spent all this time on my slides and nobody's paying attention. And the planner says, everybody's angry and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and it starts though with, we sit in a room and we brainstorm when all we have to do is say to our audience, what is it that you need from this event? If it's an internal event or an external event, what is most important to you? And then you create the content around what their needs are. And if I give you what you want, you will give me what I want. You create these shows that are relevant, that have interesting guests, that are pithy, that are timely. And what you want is to be able to spread information and to be able to get your message out. Well, if you continue to give people relevant content, they will give you their attention and it's a transaction. But if you decide that today you're going to talk about, you know, the definition of rev, rev par, which will be important, nobody cares, then that's the reaction you get. So it's, if you just take the time and these wearable devices are, are a key to that, but ask people what they want to learn. What is right. it that, that we can do at this meeting that will help you increase your sales or buy our product more? and then give it to them. We can stop brainstorming because the answers are right there. There's no reason for us to brainstorm. You have a, a group that wants you to give them what they need and they'll tell you, just ask. Right, oh, it's funny so. you say that because one of the things we're doing with this conference is um, we have three sessions that we're, we're crowdsourcing yep. the, what they want to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it'll be pretty neat. It's the first time we've ever done it. We're not crowdsourcing on site, we're crowdsourcing in advance. So we're just a little bit more prepared okay. and to make mm -hmm. sure we don't have duplication of efforts for like what other sessions are already um, being mm -hmm. provided. So um, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I've cool. done that where we'll get to a group and I'll say, okay, so here are eight topics that we can do right, I could do for you right now 
show of hands or write it down who wants to do and we just go straight into that and people are like you could do that I'm like well, why if if i'm here to talk about contracts and as it turns out based on xyz we really need to understand more about gdpr well let's just talk about that so right. i'm not here to read slides i'm here to teach you so right. yeah it's very powerful and the audience responds so genuinely when you act that people want to be heard and they want to be seen so it's a simple solution and we make it so complicated stop right. brainstorming just ask right for yeah. sure so good for you that sounds like it's going to be a great conference yeah i'm excited i mean i don't have anything to do with how it's being i'm, I'm speaking at it but oh, i'm good. not i'm not uh, in charge of, of any of the the experience of it so um but the team's doing a great job okay so it's funny so we had exciting news was announced on smart monday um, it was Annette Gregg's first day with MPI okay. as a staffer. Um, what I came to learn is that uh, it was actually officially announced in um, August, which I, I don't know. Most people I talked to hadn't heard it. So we, most of us missed that <laughs> news brief. Yeah, yeah I totally. Mm -hmm. I, was like, I, I Googled to see like, oh, I'm going to, what link to the press release should I put out? And it was like August 19th or something. So, um, <laughs> okay. But her first day was that was that Monday. And so it was really exciting um, to speak with her while we were there. And so Annette Gregg, for those of you who don't know, uh, is an industry icon is kind of a tough word, but she's a legend and mm -hmm. she um, has really been involved in educating for more than two decades and planning experiences and, and, and working in the industry in all sorts of different ways for different types of you know, DMOs and corporations and nonprofits. And um, so she is now the vice president, senior vice president of experience, um, which is uh, a, a new uh, position. And I won't spoil it because she talks a lot about what that all is um, when we speak with her in the second half. But I'm really excited for MPI. I'm excited for the industry because mm -hmm she doesn't just bring a educators or a experienced designer perspective, she brings both. And you, um, I introduced the two of you as we did the show together and I, you had, I know you reached out to her before, I figured that you knew her already. So I was excited I got, that the two of you got to connect. It was, and we've been in touch since. And when you were reading her bio and just when you're near Annette, you don't even have to know who she is, that there's, she just gives off this energy of, I need to meet this person and I don't know why I want to meet this person, but she just has this energy, this supercharged energy, but that it's also very calming. So she's drawing you to her with her energy, but she's also relaxing you as you get closer to her. And as you read her bio, the word that still I remember most, and if I could say one word that captures the essence of who she is, it was she cares about authenticity. And to your point, she doesn't care if it's a not-for-profit, if it's a DMO, independent, new to the industry, retiring from the industry who she is and how she wants to help you is who you are, where you are in the most authentic way possible. And she just radiates that she is a vessel through which good things are going to happen. And regardless of what her title is, it feels like she looks at her purpose as I'm here to help and for the industry to grow. And you can call me whatever you want, but this is what I bring. Right. And I, am, I haven't been this excited about a new hire in the industry in a very long time. And the fact that it's a woman thrills me because most of our hotels are run by, you know, 80% of our industry is females. Both of our major organizations are run by men. Most of our hotels are run by men, at least 
we've got another woman in a higher up position, which is wonderful. And it's the leadership to population of the industry world, uh, ratio is so backwards. So I'm, I'm thrilled that she's here. And I'm just thrilled also that she's being recognized for being not just good at what she is, but she's a woman in, in power. And that's great. Yeah. So, and this also speaks to, aside from her being amazing, um, <clears throat> changes at MPI is making. Yes. So lots exciting. of, lots of, uh, lots of shifts. So I believe this position um, had, had been open for quite a while, um, but now with her new hire, first of all, they've made education a priority. They've made elevating women a priority at IMAX. There was a mm -hmm. whole track um, called She Means Business, which was lovely and awesome. Mm -hmm. I do wish more men were in there because mm -hmm. part of it is right them not, not just us talking to each other, but, but men like hearing mm -hmm. our perspectives and um, kind of where where we're coming from in this space, but then just yesterday, um, yesterday or day before yesterday, an announcement from Paul Vandeventure that um, a couple of big positions have been eliminated um, within the office, the staff, and uh, so I never question that it is terrible to be on the receiving end of having your position eliminated, but I think to the end that they're trying to get to, I think that. Uh, making shifts and, and making moves is all for the better. Yeah. And, and that will come to, to fruition. Well, we'll see how that comes to play, right? Every time you and I do one of these, MPI makes this big announcement. So we should just keep doing this because MPI is, <laughs> <laughs> the timing is incredible. The Christy and Megan show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I um, really, really, I can't even, the words can't express how much I appreciate you coming back and doing this again with me. And this is, you know, in 49 episodes that I have recorded, I have only had issues twice. And both of those issues were the same week when I tried to do an interview in person. But that's the thing that like you kind of, you know, it's like capturing lightning in a bottle, right? Like I, sometimes you just have to go for it because the people are there. And I felt like while we were at IMAX, the energy was high and it was a perfect mm -hmm. chance to be, you know, the first to interview or one of the first to interview uh, Annette Gregg Annette, mm -hmm. in her new role. So mm -hmm. um, that portion of, so those of you watching the videos, you'll see we look different. We're <laughs> 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 actually in the same room together. Um, yes. But uh, I really, um, I thank you so much, Christy, for, for being with us. And you and I will be on with Annette in the second half of the show. Because the second part of the Inside Events podcast was recorded live while at IMAX America in Las Vegas, you will notice a drop in the audio quality, but we want you to know a full transcript is available on SwapCard's blog and a video version of the show with subtitles is available on our YouTube page. And we are back for the second half of Inside Events with our guest, Annette Gregg. Again, super cool to be in the same room with the people rather than seeing you on the screen. Um, all right, so for and those... How about that you arranged this interview before Annette's big announcement? Yes. That's how good you are. I, I, I asked her to be on the show before I knew she was starting to work for MPI this right? Monday. <laughs> right, you're the first one. You're right. She was right? the story. Oh, so close. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give a little, for those of you who have been under a rock <laughs> and have not heard of Annette Gregg, um, she is, uh, the, so the mission of all that she does 
and the value that underpins her every interaction, whether it be leading a team, training, or speaking, is helping people live more authentic, inspired, and successful lives. That's real. And as vice president of experience, like what a cool, what a cool title. Like I just love that. Um, you're definitely going to do that in spades for your team and for the industry as an extension of that. So her background includes executive marketing, sales, and event operations positions for corporations, associations, and nonprofits, having worked for several different kinds of organizations in both the meetings and event space. Uh, and she teaches at San Diego State. She presents keynotes and seminars globally on a wide range of topics from diversity programs to contact negoti- contract negotiation to personal development. And she is especially driven to help elevate women in the workplace. And we're going to touch on that. All right. So let's start straight away with tell us why you made the move. Um, and I mean, it could be obvious, maybe not. Um, and, and then about the role that you're yeah. taking on and kind of like yeah. how that's rolling out. Yeah. Well, I joined the Professionals International MPI in 1996 and, wow. um, from our, one of our co-mentors, Terry Brining, who I was working for at the time. And it really has become such a gift uh, professionally and personally, when you think about it, I didn't even know what a professional association was if it wasn't for Terry. And when you look back at 25, 30 years of a career, and you gosh, my closest friendships, my most successful business enterprises, you know, all of that can dotted line or a real clear line to MPI. So I joined the board of MPI. I was on the chapter leadership uh, for Southern California chapter and been very involved in San Diego chapter, but I joined the board, the um, international board, about five years ago. And I was nominated for chair-elect in 2020. So kind of marching down that road, that was going to be the pinnacle of my volunteer hood. You you go for chair, and then you're kind of done, and you just keep doing your thing. And (laughs) And this position has been vacant uh, for a year. So the position oversees two divisions at uh, MPI, events and education. And they had two people leading those individual divisions, but they both left. Uh, One was gone for about a year, and the other one maybe six months. So they realized, well, they really should be integrated. You know, the the number one and two value offerings for a member of MPI is the education uh, and the events where they get to network and and build, you know, business bonds and everything else. So at our board meeting about three months ago in Toronto, they were talking about the search and they, we called this unicorn. We couldn't find this unicorn. We've been looking for about six months, and the challenge. I know. I know. Feel it. Did you sit there and say, like, this sounds like me? Did you kind of in the back of your head say, well, I could do this? It's really funny you ask that, Chrissy, because at first, you know, when you're not unhappy, my last job, PRA, great company, good, treated me well. So I was just thinking, well, as a board member, and I actually started recruiting my friends for the position. And I said, oh, you should go for this, you should go for this. And to be fair, they were really looking for a Dallas-based candidate. They would have preferred that. And I live in San Diego and have no intention of leaving San Diego. So I didn't even think about it for me until about three months after the search started and we are in Toronto. And um, they said, we haven't found the unicorn. And I think the, the challenges with the role is that they have found event professionals and even experienced designers, um, but not education background, or educators, content curriculum development, but haven't monetized events. It's not just designing, we have to make money, right? Associations make money at events. So just coincidentally, I have both those prongs in my background. And then it really is the stuff I love to do. Yeah. I mean, Did I, someone say to you, Bridget, why don't you apply? Or? Well, they... 
kind of did. We joked a little bit about it. And I'm like, okay, you know, but again, I, I was chair-elect, and most people feel like, well, that's awesome, so just keep that, keep doing that thing. So we were really hoping someone would bubble up out there that just made everything clear. And so for me personally, I'm a doer, probably like both of you, and I looked at this thing, and I said, dog on it, I'm going to go for that. I can do that. And so it was about six weeks of interview, really rigorous interview process, I have to tell you, which is important because because I'm such an insider at MPI, it's important for them and important for me. I want the best candidate for this position, and I don't want any speculation that I had an easy road getting this role, so for me personally or for them. So I interviewed with 16 people. Wow. Oh, my gosh, Annette, oh, yeah. you've met everybody twice. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I mean, I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions. 16 people, six weeks of interviews and it, by the end it was real clear I was super excited about the role they were excited about me so at, then I, I think the question that's on everyone's minds is what happens with the chair elect mm-hmm. are you still yes. going to do that no so okay. with and with an association you have a volunteer board that essentially holds the association leadership accountable right so this is a, a governing board and so it really you can't have a Staffer that on the volunteer sense. board. Can't be a boss. A yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I officially stepped down from the board and my chair position last Friday, okay. and uh, started this position Monday. Okay. So does the the person who was next in line to, for chair elect is that how's that? It's a fair question. This is the first time it's really happened. We've had a few other uh, times in the forty year history of the association where board members have become staff, but this is the first time uh, that a chair elect step down to become staff. So what the bylaws allow for is anyone that's currently on the board can throw their hat in the ring for 2020 chair. And then there's a board selection committee that was already convened because they have to do board selection for the 2021 slate anyway. And so then... um, People volunteered, or, or I don't know, actually, who threw their hat in the ring because I wasn't you know, yeah, involved yeah, in that yeah, process. Yeah. But the outcome is that Steve O'Malley, who is the president of Merits, mm-hmm. he is the current chair for 2019, and he will continue on as chair for oh, 2020. Okay. So he'll serve a two-year term. Oh, okay. So that was board vote uh, based on whoever raised their hand. Steve raised his hand to do it again. And actually, you know, he's thrilled because he gets – Really, just nine months in now, you're just kind of getting the hang of it. I was it, just right? going to say that, yeah. <laughs> and he gets to really see things humming along. And then for the staff, they love it because continuity is yeah. really critical. And to get a new leader, you know, new volunteer every leader year. every year yeah. is tough. So this this might be the start of a new policy because it does it's make truly, more sense. It takes me three months to figure out where the bathrooms are. Report, you know, I'd be like, truly, yeah, you know, what's going on? I think about nine months. I finally have this all figured out. Now I know what I can do, and I have extra time to do it. It's something. So. It's really something to think about. I mean, one shift is quick aside. One thing I've seen in the years of, of MPI, what they've done well is really take the emphasis off of the the volunteer leader as as you know the face because the the MPI's continuity is about its strategic plan and that is a multi-year strategic plan so whoever's sitting as the volunteer chair the strategic plan shouldn't waver with every volunteer chair the volunteer chair should continue to help drive that and they've done a really good job with that right yeah well and we went we San Diego was going to have back to back or you know two out of the last three years have the had the chair but we like you in this role, too. It's pretty special. We have a lot of yeah, yeah. representation. Yeah, we do. It's true. Amanda Armstrong, who served as chair yeah. uh, the last time. Yep. Yep. Uh, and President CEO, Paul Vandeventer, was 
in San Diego yeah, County. Those are heavy and Carl's out in that So okay, yeah, it's the sunshine. It is. We're all pretty happy. Yeah. So that you've done, you've been such an integral part of the industry, and you have a unique perspective. So as you look at now from an MPI official perspective. What do you look at and say, this is the number one problem that I feel like I need to address? This is my number one initiative in this spot. Right, right. Oh, boy, that's a good one. Well, and there's two ways to go about it. There's either in the seat that I'm sitting in, which is the head of events and education for the association or for our industry, right? So I love what you stand for and really just the strategy. And I know Julius speaks about this, too, really turning from event planners to event strategists, because we do have a powerful story to tell with live events. And we have to give people the data and also the skill set to articulate that strategy, articulate that ROI, and why what we do is so powerful. And it starts with our folks wanting to sit inside the general session instead of manage registration <laughs> outside the general session, right? If you don't know what your CEO is talking about inside the general session that you're running, then that's a problem. Really leaning into what makes your organization tick and how the work you do in live events, either for a corporation or an agency or independent, how it serves the business purposes, um, then, then we're missing out, right? Oh my, oh my, I'm not preaching in the so then we'll take it to MBI. And how can MBI also equip its members to tell that same story? And part of it is running a better live event. So let's not squander the opportunity. When we do have the opportunity to get all these people live together, we better ASAP, right? We better have the best experiential neuroscience networking opportunities and experience that we can produce because we are the cooks cooking for cooks, right? We're the chefs cooking for yeah. cooks. So that's part of it. And then the second part is really connecting the dots as a business case for live engagement. So part of the, we have great education in MPI, and part of that is continuing to build that out and connecting the dots, target marketing, right? Segmenting databases, which you know yes. well, and really setting, we we're, we can feel uh, like we've watered down the message because we have so much content. So making sure that our delivery of the content is uh, clear why and to the right who. Well, think about it. Event MB, when they put out less content, they Perfect. got more traction, right? Because it's not diluted, and what I'm getting is really concentrated and very important to me. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. Here we go. Right. And and there's no shortage of information out there. Gosh, there's wonderful free information. We do free and paid courses association. Right. So you just have to own your space, right? I mean, you know, there's you're not going to be the, the end all. But make sure that what you are putting out there is rock solid home run right. stuff. Yeah. And there, and professionals have choices, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. Um, you you have to stay at cutting edge and, and keep you have to innovate or you you'll lose people to the other um, Absolutely. What if there's like, like 140 now or something? Crazy oh, yeah. event association. Oh my gosh. That was that number I thought. What? Even but, under EIC, there's 33. And that's, you know, it's really hard for, think about a 23-year-old just getting off college and she wants to enter the space. We're throwing all these applicants at it. If we didn't have someone, if Terry didn't tell me about MPI, I'd still, you know, who knows? Yes. So we have to help even that next generation of people in our space. Especially in Yeah. Right? Truly. Truly. I mean, we already found our way. Right. So, right, right. And we have to make sure that as an industry, we're working together instead of against each other. For sure. We're not competing for members here. There's a huge universe of live event professionals. And whether or not you want as a member or just somebody who reads your stuff, 
there's plenty out there. So let's all march to the same drum. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so uh, technology. I'm going to talk technology. Um, it is, uh, it plays a big part in experiences, and um, but it still seems to be the number one thing that planners say that they understand the least about or that they are afraid of and they shy away from. They don't go out to RFP for their AV because they don't get it. And it's just easier to just stay status quo and just keep doing what they've been doing. But also with all the event apps, like I think we can all agree that having an app for your event is no longer a question. Not like if, edge anymore. If you, and if you don't have it, you are way behind. It's like not having a website right. anymore. So then the, the questions become like, okay, so which one do I pick? And like someone was just saying to me yesterday, um, you know, not, not any one of them has everything we want. So it's a matter of picking one that has the things that matter most. Um, so I'm just curious why you think that is that the tech, that the planners are so shy away from tech and then um, how can technology companies help to educate so that there's less friction yeah. with that? Well, I I have an opinion. This is not founded in any data, but I think it does start. Uh, I, I am additionally surprised when I teach my class at San Diego State and how many uh, people are afraid of budgets and numbers in oh our gosh. space. They are, yeah. And I think there is an, a bias. It could be a woman thing. And that's why I'm kind of curious about di- diving into this, where women are afraid of technology and afraid of numbers because it, we're conditioned from an early age to feel like those are kind of boy things. Boys deal with gaming. Right. Boys deal with numbers. And women deal with the, the creative side. And so I think we have to demystify it. I think we might need some different names for things and, and we need to give them really hands-on touch. This is not as scary as you think, right? you know, and, and real, um, I remember designing an app for a conference we put on and the tools are so good now. Yeah. They're so easy to use. I am not, I think there's a misconception that I'm sitting back there writing code. It's like, no, <laughs> right. I'm in charge of my event app. Right. They've made it so easy for me. I just have to do the content. You know, these, these folks want to help you be successful. So I would just encourage everybody to lean in and try it. Try to take on one piece of technology that scares you, whether it's creating your event app, working with one of these great products that are out there, or going to an AV basics class, audiovisual basics class, learning yeah. how, what, what LCD projector is and what the different types of basic equipment. You know, they'll talk to you in the back of the house. Yeah. You know, they'll give you a quick tutorial yeah. just to get the, to demystify it. For sure. I, um, I had a client briefly trade show internet and they basically provide an alternative solution to using the in-house internet. And, and I did a market research uh, program for them or project and I interviewed 38 event planners and uh, technology people, like people in the AV space. And um, generally speaking, it was, it was shocking to me, like how, how they didn't understand that they have a choice, that the FCC says that you have a choice and, you know, all those kinds of things. But, um, but most of them, too, were like, they just kind of, I'll just check the box. I just want to, yeah, just give, just give it to me. You know, yeah. even though it's, you know, it's outrageously expensive. But, yeah, right. so. Um, That's an interesting one, too, is yeah. just in the scope of time, they would pay more if they could just check that box. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So there could be, maybe. But what, but what I told them was, what what my biggest takeaway was that they need to educate the industry. You need to, you need to dedicate 
some time and effort in, uh, into talking at MPI um, regional meetings or, you know, in their town or wherever, just to explain, like, how, how it all works. Yeah. So, okay. Ms. Christy. Do we have another minute? Can we I ask have, you another We have question? time. No, please, please, please. please. So when Megan was reading your bio, the word that popped out for me was authenticity. And so tell me what, how you're going to bring your authenticity to the job and what do you see that as and how does that translate to what you do? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. And I am a big fan of Brene Brown and watched her video. She has a TED Talk, one of the top watch TED Talks on vulnerability and authenticity. (laughs) And for me, I read that, I saw that probably 10, maybe seven years ago. And it was really life-changing because I think as a, a, an A-type woman, I don't think women give themselves a lot of grace to be authentic and vulnerable. And we're achievers. I mean, look at the two of you, entrepreneurs. You know. And uh, we pile a lot on ourselves. We have very high expectations of ourselves. And we all know as humans, we need the break. We need to give ourselves a break mentally and emotionally. And so authenticity for me is been a, a journey that I've been on because I think you get a little older too. It turned 50 this year. And okay. so and by the way, this whole time I'm thinking, and that's really rocketing because at 35, oh, she just got this huge <laughs> job. <laughs> and I know you have 20 years experience, but in my head, you're 35. So <laughs> well, I think that you just learn to own who you are at some point. I mean, I'm very clear on my value proposition professionally and personally. And there's a lot of freedom in that. When you get to that point where you know who you are, you know your brand's been solid. I I my relationships are reciprocal. They're not one way. And I've, I've intentionally built that over years and years, you know, of giving and asking for help. And uh, so to show up that authentically for me is, is the end game, right? Where I can find a profession where I can bring my full self to this job. And the people that hired me know me very well because they've been on the board with me for a long time. So it was actually just a very comfortable process because... They know who I am, and they've embraced it, and I can know that I don't have to fake it either. I don't have to be anybody else but me and bring my full suite of offerings to them. So uh, that's my hope for all women. And it doesn't say we should all aspire to that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, and maybe it gives you some permission to do that. Right. And that's a big piece of it is right. you give yourself permission to be who you are, and that's okay. Right. And I think part of that, too, is we, if you're okay with not knowing all the answers and not being right every time and not doing everything personally, there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. And then, yes. so I know I don't know all the answers and I never have a spouse to know them all. And I'm really okay with asking yeah. more questions than giving more answers. Right. And so I think that approach frees you up and also just engenders you to more people, right? Builds better relationships. That's just, better that's just good leadership. I was just going to say, like, I, any boss I've ever had could admit he was wrong. Well, I have so much more respect for someone who will admit that they're wrong than someone who will try to cover it up or try to make excuses. And so, yeah. In- instantly relatable. Like, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So I don't need to be right all the time either. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you always want to work with people smarter than you. Sure. Right? Because I don't want to be good at technology, so I'm going to hire you so that I don't have to worry right. about it. So. Right. And yeah, you're a lifelong learner. You're a learner. I want to learn all the time. I want to be curious. So I want to surround myself with people yes. that are going to add to my knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I have a question for the for the two of y'all. Um, and it and it's we kind of touched on this. So um, I've seen a big growth in the focus on women in events, um, not just here in in uh, the Experience Marketing Summit. There were there were three different kinds of things you could attend that were for women. 
men weren't excluded, men could come, but it was like four women, very few men actually were there, which is brings an interesting point to the session that I um, was in with you the other day. It's like, but there's more men in there than they'll, they'll maybe understand it'll, the, the relatedness will be, anyway, that's not my point. My point of my question though, is that we've always been here. We're 80% of the industry. So I'm curious what you all both think about um, why the sudden emphasis on setting us apart and yeah. making that a thing. Cause actually somebody made a comment at the happy hour yesterday, the women and um, women in events, happy hour, or event tech, women in event tech, I think it was the one that was, um, it, it was kind of funny and we're kind of like, you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I got to explain it to him. So what do you right. think? Well, super passionate about this topic. Yes. So I don't know how much time we have today, but no. Um, so two things come to mind for me. When I was between jobs um, and I took, I thought I might go full-time consulting. Part of my space that I was really interested in was unconscious bias and diversity programs and really why women were were held back in, in corporate America. And so I did a year-long consulting gig with a Fortune 100 company to start their women's initiative because it was a tech company that could not keep women in, they couldn't retain or recruit women programmers in tech. And so learn just a whole lot about some of the systems that are in place that do not support women in yep. advancement. And they're very real things that are, sometimes they're totally unintentional, but until we identify and raise awareness about these things, they will not change. And the second thing for me personally that made me so passionate about why this is necessary is that I did work in a financial firm that was very male dominated. And I hadn't experienced it until that company, which was 10 jobs in, in my career, how much unconscious bias there is against women. There could have been overt bias there too, no doubt. But I always worked for women, great women, leaders, all this stuff. So it wasn't there until there that I would look around a co-ed meeting of 12, 15 people and watch women's voices get snubbed out. Women's women's opinions get stolen. Women not speaking up at all, frankly, because they just were too used to their ideas getting stolen. And I thought, this is how it starts. This is how it happens. And the fabric relates to everything other, every other decision that's made in the company. So until we create a space for women to come and talk comfortably and openly about these things, they're not going to change because women are just going to feel like, well, this happened again. I think I'm getting paid less than my male counterpart, but what do I do about it? Right. So this just gives women a safe space to come and say, look, you're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not making it up. This stuff is real. And I'm so applaud MPI women, women at MPI is an initiative I've been passionate about for five years at the board level. We finally launched it last year because a lot of people couldn't see the need for it. Hey, Annette, we're already 80% women. It's not the point. The point is we're 80% women, but in the hospitality industry, we're woefully underrepresented above the director level. I was going to say, we're 80% women, but it's the reverse. It's the the inverse of that. It's 80% of the leadership. With industry associations, with the hotels. So it's 80% of us are staffing it, but the men have the jobs and the titles, which is... So it's... But we... Have, going back to authentic and giving ourselves permission, yeah. we either haven't given ourselves permission or we have accepted it as status quo. Right. And somebody's told me something the other day that, and I never thought about this, and you're talking about uh, unintentional bias. Yeah. Or, yeah. That Siri, Alexa, all female voices. Mm-hmm. So that when someone barks in order, it's a female that immediately oh, comes goodness. back up with the response and who is at your beck and call, and you ask for anything, and a female voice comes back and says, why I help you? What can wow. I do for you? I will stop everything I'm doing because all I'm here to do is serve you. Wow. And it's only female voices. Oh, that is And then that light will never go off in my head now. Because well, it's like, 
Oh that's gosh. fascinating. Isn't that great? My so, Siri is an Australian man. Good. You changed okay. it. Change changed it. it. Yeah, okay. that's great. <laughs> well, you, you remember the keynoter in uh, She Means Business we saw on Monday? Were you in that one? No. Okay, you probably crossed the hall. Anyway, we had uh, an excellent She Means Business, which is wonderful. And the first speaker is the head of high net worth for UBS in all of Europe. Real heavy hitter, PhD, all this stuff. She, her talk was just about how a 10% pay gap equates to a 38% wealth gap over time. So the, we already know we're behind 15 to 20% pay. And how much difference that could... And so then she delved deeper. And she's written children's books about this because she feels that part of this situation starts when we're children... And we're perpetuating this bias, like the little boy gets paid to mow the lawn, but the little girl just has to do the dishes because that's the girl's, or the girl's allowance is not even close to the boy's allowance. So she talked about the importance of pocket money and girls fighting for what they deserve, even at age 10, because your your values toward money are from age 10. Wow. Fascinating stuff. So this yeah. stuff is deeply layered stuff, but we have to start somewhere, yeah. right? We've got to just start eating one bite at a time and solving this stuff. Leave yeah. the lemonade stands. The boys sell the lemonade. The girls make the lemonade. Isn't that interesting? Like the younger sister, the sister makes the lemonade. The boys handle the money. And he's doing the money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. You see it everywhere. You do. You do. Yeah, you do. All right. So I like to end um, when we have time, and we do, um, with a, like, quick, and, and I didn't prep you this for this so, event. Um, if there's a any kind of app or tech gadget or anything, like, that you're hot on these days? You know, someone just told me about something, two things that I'm going to look into. So they're both writing pads because I still love to write. Yes. One of them, you can microwave Yes, it. I have one. Oh, I have one. I have one. It's the greatest thing in the world. So you write on it, and you microwave it, and it and disappears. And you can QR code your writing, and it emails your notes yes, to you. It's the greatest thing in the world. Oh, I got to check it out. It's awesome. Because I, I don't want to get rid of the paper, you know? So yeah, then the I'm other the one, one, it's similar, and you write, and it looks like a notebook, and it actually um, it, it electronically captures the text, and you can email yourself the text. Oh, that one I don't yeah. Know. yeah. 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 And then it disappears when you just wipe it, disappears. The text. Oh, yes. So I want to check those out. Yeah, there's one of those too that you can keep the words in there also if you want. Mm-hmm. But you can, yeah, open yeah. it to your computer. Because I'm, I'm the same way. And there are, there's neuroscience behind yeah. how you Things retain yeah. when you've actually yeah. written it. It's yeah. different from, yeah. yeah. You can grow rich. Yeah. Like, write it down. I believe this. I do too. Oh, my too. So I've been using my eye recorder a lot recently, mm-hmm. though, because mm-hmm. I feel I am a note taker, mm-hmm. but I know I miss things when I'm taking, I miss the next thing, right? Like you're writing and you're mm-hmm. thinking you're not, so you're missing the next thing. And I feel like it's allowing me to be more, more engaged mm-hmm. in the talk. Mm-hmm. And then I can re-listen to it. Smart. Smart. So, can I share one that's old? Yeah. But yes, of course. Awesome. So, it's not new technology, but it's the greatest thing in the world. It's called Sly Dial. Do you know what Sly Dial is? Okay. Oh, 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 oh my yeah. God. It's the greatest thing in the world. So, yeah. Sly Dial is if you have to talk to someone, but you don't have to, like, if they're a, a long talker or okay. people who are single and they don't want to break a date, yeah. Yeah. they have to, but they don't want to talk to the person. Yeah. You dial the number first, okay. and then you put in the person's cell phone, and it automatically connects you to their voicemail. Mm-hmm. So, you can leave a message, and you don't talk to them and it's the greatest it's the most beautiful That's thing in the great. world i do. love love oh, I do i'm so that. sorry i missed you yeah nothing new with me just blah 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 oh that's great and i'm going into a tunnel so don't try to call me back that's hilarious it's so funny because i always go like what my phone didn't even ring how did i get a voicemail they're probably yeah, you know. something well, like no, that the rule is if yeah. you tell someone about it you're yeah. pretty much committed to never doing it to, to them, them. Right. yeah so, right, right. So. <laughs> All right. So, if you don't like your mother-in-law, it's uh, fabulous. Yes. That, that is classic. 
amazing. I love it. So I, I think that I neglected to say my name at the top of the show. <laughs> I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, and I am thrilled to be hosting this podcast for Swap Card. And it's because of guests like this. And I'm really, really excited that we got to do this. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miss Christie, as well, for, for joining me and chatting news. Uh, all right, so you can find us on Twitter at the Event Profs, um, and uh, the, the links to the news articles and anything, all the important things will be in the show notes. So we will see you on next time. But episode four coming up, coming up not too far behind this, and we will catch you next time. Tweet at us with the hashtag Inside Events, and be sure to subscribe to get each episode as they drop.